39 of Pods. In the key. Of Springfield. Of Springfield. Um, We've just eaten a bunch of lollies and... Uh, and, and boy, howdy, are you, are you going to enjoy this episode? Yeah, this is the second episode we've recorded, so we thought we should try to, you know, keep our energy up and... You know, we're, because we're adults, we decided lollies was the answer. We ate, <laughs> We've just eaten like fucking children watching a cartoon and now we're going to record a podcast. Yeah, totally. We're watching The Simpsons while shoveling fistfuls of lollies <laughs> into our mouth. Like a real couple of adult persons. Uh, season 4, episode 10, Lisa's first words, which I've written as Lisa's first extras for some reason. In which uh, Lisa speaks her first word. Mm. And uh, season 4, episode 11, Homer's triple bypass. In which Homer... That's a triple bypass. <laughs> you see, it's clever. It's a clever naming convention. It is a clever naming convention. Yeah, you just name the episode after the thing that happens in it. Yeah, and they, they didn't even need to preface it by saying the one with Lisa's first words and the one with Homer's triple bypass because this isn't Friends. But this, I'm pointing at you and me right now, this is Friends. This is Friends. Man, we sound like t- two alien life forms that have only just had our <laughs> English language packs installed. <laughs> this is Friends. This, this is Friends. <laughs> I don't know why I went for a vaguely Eastern European accent. I'm just going to start by apologising to everyone. Yeah. In perpetuity. Perpetuity. In perpetuity is the words I'm looking In pituitary gland. <laughs> the gland that controls puberty and hormones. Yes, Absolutely. Lisa's first word is the first episode, I believe, where we get the classic time waster couch gag. The circus start. Yes. Yeah. The one that pops up a few times when the episode's a little short and they need to pat it. You know what's really interesting? Uh, my notes here for circus start say, circus start, favorite as a kid. Wrong. Just recognition. Because <laughs> something I realized when when this started, I was like, oh man, I used to get so excited when it was the circus start because I was like, yes. This episode! I yes, remember yes, this episode! Yes, this rocks. This must be a good one! Turns out children, or at least me when I was a child, how dare I extrapolate to everyone else? Me when I was a child, how dare you, Nick? Did not understand the difference between favourite and simply something I recognise. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, this couch keg also appeared in front of what was actually my favourite episode when oh. I was a kid. Uh, Cape Fear, which we'll get to next oh, season. Ah, sure. With uh, Odd Mate Sideshow Bob. Such a bob. Such a bob. the hell happened to my bob? Such a bob who actually makes an appearance in this episode in a non-speaking role. Oh, I thought you were going to say non-canon. Why would I say non-canon? Well, because in the next episode we see him and he's in a canon. No, that's such a mel. Oh, fuck. I'm getting my my sideshows confused. Um, And your forms of canonization. (laughs) Yes. Um, This episode starts with everyone, with the entire family... Sitting around Maggie trying to make her talk. Yeah. And I've just written here, everyone's very invested in Maggie. I mean, that's how you force you force children to talk, don't you? You just sit in front of them and say, you fucking talk right now, you little shit, until they speak. It's not a mob interrogation. That's how I learn how to talk. Did you grow up in the mob? I mean, you know, I don't talk about it very often on this podcast. Well, that's ironic. I, yeah. 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 Um, no, but um, uh, yeah. since when do you see the whole family invest... Uh, well... 
I'll rephrase that. This is one of those wonderful Simpsons things where for some reason everyone is very invested in this one particular issue which no one else has ever shown any interest in. Yeah, The Simpsons does occasionally forget that Maggie exists. Mm. She's sort of a very convenient TV baby. TV baby. Yes, TV baby. Uh, t- and then, uh, and yeah, I just think it, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see Lisa and Bart sitting around trying to make Maggie talk with yeah. Homer and Marge. You'd think that like, you'd think that normally that would be led into by I don't know. The TV is not working. It's too hot to do anything. You know, nothing. But everyone's just gone. Oh, we're just going to sit around and do this today. Let's look at the baby. Let's figure this baby out. Let's look at the baby. So Maggie burps, and Homer says that she said burlap. So of course. For the rest of my life. Now, burps are associated with the word burlap. Burlap. Mm. Interesting. Do you have a burp sack or a burlap sack? I do. Would you like to see my burp sack? Oh my, I'll just I'll get it over here. It's not making enough noise. No, uh, you're not going to get any ASMR out of that tiger print cushion. There's my burp sack. I don't think... I, I, I reckon our listeners are clever enough to know that burlap, a hessian-like material, is not going to sound like this. A paper. All right, well, how about this? Here it is. Those are scissors, James. They are used for scissing. Okay, well, uh... Burlap sack. And it's a pen. It is used for penning. Okay, well, um... How about that? <laughs> This is it's not my fault you don't have any sack-like materials <laughs> in my in my region. In your immediate vicinity? Yeah, I don't want to have to get up and find a sack for this bet. What about this Charlotte's Hornets <laughs> drawstring backpack? Okay, you say that like I'm it's behind you. You're on the other side of the table from me. I was not meant to go and find that. Okay, there we go. That's my burp sack. Is that the joke we were going for here? Your burp sack. Yes, yeah, the sack I burp into. It's a vintage Charlotte Hornets uh, drawstring backpack, by the way. Yeah, Charlotte Hornets. Wasn't that your high school girlfriend? <laughs> what? Her name was Charlotte Hornets. Oh, it's, it's quite a nice name, actually. Really stung when she dumped you. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Like a hornet. It's a hornet joke, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a hornet joke. Yeah. 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 Just one of your standard hornet jokes. I try to slip one into every episode. I don't know if you've noticed. Sneaky hornets. Yeah, sure. So in 1983, this episode flashes back to 1983, where The Simpsons... Seem to have lived in New York, I guess. I guess so. That seems to be the implication that they mm. lived in, uh, that in one n- of the boroughs. Because that is not downtown Springfield. No, it looks like nothing. Looks like nothing. From Springfield. It's, From Springfield. It's definitely New York. Definitely New York. I'd say it was New York. Yardley Smith is playing one of uh, Marge's friends in this scene, which is interesting because I heard an interview, or I read an interview, I in some way experienced an interview with Yardley Smith where she said that they don't let her play minor characters on the show by and large because her voice is too distinctive and it yes. always just sounds like Lisa. Yes, and that was definitely the case with Marge's friend. Yes, and uh, I could be wrong on this, which would be ironic considering all the things I just said, but I think uh, I think Grandma Flanders may have also been Yardley. Grandma... F- oh, hello, Joe! Yeah. That one. I think Hello Joe might be a Yardley line. It sounds like a Yardley. Interesting. The line before Hello Joe really sounds like Yardley. Oh, what's the line? The before? line that nobody remembers because it's not that interesting. It's mm. like, uh, uh, "Hi, my name is Grandma," or and I'm here to uh, say, <laughs> or "Give me your bones," you know, something like that. It's some sort of. Uh... Hang on, I know that it's very early for me to start searching things, but if we don't actually tag out with what that line is, I don't know, man, our, we've our, only been recording for like five minutes. Our, this is two, not unusual for you. So. Our two listeners will get very annoyed. <laughs> it's not unusual for you to already be on your phone. It's not unusual for you to already be on your phone. 
Na 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 na. It's not, not a... unusual for you to tweet during the record. <laughs> Actually, that would be quite unusual. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, now, there's a scene early on where the Simpsons is all living in this little house, this little New York house. Oh, she says, "Pa, can you help me with my psalms?" <laughs> Help me with my. Okay. I, no wonder no one remembers that. Like, Pa, can you help me with my psalms? There's a scene in this episode that always makes me weirdly nervous every time I watch it, even though it's a cartoon and I know what's going to happen every time. Sure. The bit where Bud is out on the fucking clothesline swinging around. <laughs> yeah. Mm, every time I that. see that, I get this like very visceral reaction. The baby's going to fall and die. We know it. The, the, the note that I've got is mm. that Homer says, ah, oh, don't worry, he'll tire himself out, and then he'll lose his ability to hold onto the line, and yeah. then he'll fall to his death. That's worst how, case scenario. How is that a plan? How do they not... They don't call the fire brigade or anything. They just let the baby spin. It's You, you don't let the baby spin. You know what? I think they want the baby to fall. Mm, and then the rest of the series... No. I mean, we see in this episode, Homer is pretty cruel to Bart, little baby Bart. Little baby buddy boy, he's he's kind of cruel to him. He seems sure. uh, he strangles him, he yells at him. Yeah, he lets him nearly die out on that clothesline. Cruel. Yeah, is that how parenting was in 1993? Oh, yeah, it was very different back then. Very it's, cruel. Yeah. Mm. What year was Bart born? Bart. Like, yeah, he was born in. Do we know been 82? I think is the official line. 82. Yeah. 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 Before they moved to New York. For some reason. Yeah, very briefly, before moving back to Springfield. For some reason. For some reason. When Marge says there's going to be twice as much love in the house, Homer says, are we going to start doing it in the morning? Mm. Which, uh, does that mean, like, he says it in a way that implies like they're going to start having sex twice Mm. every day. Yes. And this also means, were they just not having morning sex before? Have they not experienced morning sex? I'm not sure if they've experienced morning sex. Because morning sex is a good sex. Like they should be having sex in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Get on board. <laughs> Set your alarm three or four minutes earlier than normal. Get onto yeah. it. Yeah. Ugh. All right, then. It's, uh, it's sex time. <clears throat> I think we need to point out for the audience that that was you making that noise when you were cracking your knuckles in a stretching, let's get down to business way. <laughs> Odd noise for you to say without context in the middle of a discussion about sex. What, the cracking noise? No, no, no. The fact that you did a very visceral grunt. <laughs> oh, okay, well... We're, we're talking about morning sex. You just go... <laughs> it's like, we need to put some... Oh, that's a huge... I'm going to do that noise again, but quieter. We're talking about sex, and you just went... <sighs> and I feel like maybe we need to put some more context around it. And you were just... You okay, were, you okay, were, okay. You were well, cracking out your knuckles. No, yeah. Yeah, but well, to be clear, I was also coming. Oh, God. Um, Are you having a sugar crash right now? I am. We're 10 minutes into the episode and I'm already crashing. You just so clearly had no tolerance for that joke. Uh, Homer tries to feed Maggie a mind control biscuit to help her talk. Mind control biscuit. Because as we've seen from Cookie Colossus when uh, in the episode with the assassins, um, and Homer goes to get the big cookie from Cookie Colossus, or biscuits as I call them because I'm Australian. Yeah. Uh, there's the big biscuit. Santa's little helper eats the biscuit. The biscuit is what helps Santa's little helper understand English. We know that they have mind control drugs inside them put there by Dr. Mm. Colossus. Well, they're trying to make Maggie have her first word. Homer's way of doing this is to feed her the mind control biscuit. 
very good. I'd also like to very quickly clarify, just to let any listeners who haven't been paying super close attention to The Simpsons off the hook, when you say the episode with the assassins, you're referring to a pair of shoes. I'm referring to a pair of shoes. <laughs> I'm referring to a pair of shoes, yes. Because I like to imagine there's just some poor person out there listening who was just struggling for like 20 seconds there. What the fuck are they talking about? The episode with assassins? What's the episode with the assassins? With Ezio. Ezio Auditore <laughs> di Forenza. I was telling you earlier today, but I'll repeat it for the podcast. When I was walking to your house... There was a cat following me down the street. It was good content. But it was following me in the exact way that you follow one of your marks during an Assassin's Creed. Like, uh, you know those missions where you have to stalk someone, basically? The the, the follow missions, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Where you just walk a slight distance behind them. Where you have to walk irritatingly slowly. Yes. Yep. And every now and then they'll stop and like turn around and you just have to and sort say of like, something like, I think I'm being followed. <laughs> and then you're like, no, you're not. It's fine. But if you just go and stand behind a corner, like, oh, it's probably nothing. And then probably I'll, nothing. Huh. Every time I turn around, that guy who is definitely following me, like conspicuously <laughs> just goes and blends in somewhere. It's probably nothing. Like. Why is it every time I turn around to see what's behind me, I see a swish of rags and capes go behind a corner. That's weird. Yeah, so a cat was doing that to me on the way to your house. Now, just you... following me at what seemed like a safe distance. Okay, sort of, I, was, I, I was going to say, was the cat following you or were you following the cat? But the cat was following you. It was a lovely cat as well. I really wanted right. to make friends with it. I was hoping it would be a bit more do you think you, forthcoming. Do you think you accidentally stumbled into a game of Cat Assassin's Creed? <laughs> I think it's a real possibility. Because <laughs> at one point I lost sight of where the cat went. Mm. I assume it just jumped up onto a rooftop and started following me along there. Ah, with some crazy hijinks. And then it was yeah. going to do a big uh, uh, swan dive down into a, a, <laughs> a bale of hay, yeah. A bale of hay or perhaps a bush. Yeah, because I don't know why you've got all that hay outside. <laughs> it's because I like to make sure that my, my occasional but thorough cosplay of Ezio Auditore di Firenze... I want to make sure that it's accurate, and that means I need to be able to jump off the roof mm. into a bale of hay. I mean, you have broken a lot of bones doing that as well. I'm almost jelly at yeah. this stage. I mean, I'm looking at you right now. One of your knees is just not there anymore. Oh, I had that knee removed. It actually just like popped out, and then like the skin separated, and it flew out of the joint. Yeah, I told that knee to get fucked. <laughs> I said, catch you later, little patella fella. <laughs> Patella fella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Patella fella. It's my new character. Everyone needs him. <laughs> okay. <sighs> I feel like you're on a good roll there. <laughs> needs was the... <laughs> the one that killed it. Uh, oh, there's some... Um, in both of these episodes... There were some pretty weird and bad uh, transphobic jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. There's um, uh, Homer in this one. It's Homer talking about his his cousin... Cousin Frank. Cousin Frank, who is uh, Francine now because he... Mm. Uh, or she, I suppose, slept in her parents' bed. Yeah. So, her so entire Homer, life. So Homer says Maggie can sleep in... Uh, no, Lisa can sleep in Bart's bed. Bart can sleep with us until he turns twenty-one. Yeah, um, and then you know, weird for a guy who just implied he'd like to start having sex twice a day. But there you go. Yeah, and then yeah, the implication that doing that would um, would 
damage someone so thoroughly that they go from Frank to Francine. Mm. Not on board with that. And that that would constitute like being damaged at all. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. kind of a... The 90s were a very different time. Uh, and part <laughs> and of the key is Springfield would like to point out that we are not on board with transphobia. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, because we're not idiots. Well, I mean, I say of course, but plenty of people are, obviously. So, yeah, we're, we, you yeah. know... Plenty of people are on board with transphobia. We're yeah. not. Yeah. We're not. It's bad, in our opinion. Yeah. I mean, and as a general rule, it's, and, yeah. it's obviously bad. Yeah. All right. Well, that's us. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've covered ourselves there and yeah. not accidentally sounding like pieces of shit in any of the things we just said. No, I think we're fine. Yeah, probably okay. I think we're fine. The sea captain pops up again in this one. This is three episodes in a row of sea yeah, captain. This is three of Captain McAllister. Yeah, they're really going all in on this guy. In this one, he's trying to sell them a houseboat, and then he leaps into the water to fight a shark. Is Captain McAllister? Do you think he's related to the McAllister family from Home Alone? Oh, I'm sure of it. Is he like Kevin's long lost uncle or something? Yeah, they accidentally left him at sea though. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> Houseboat alone. Yeah, they got off the boat like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> Mamma Mia, where's the captain? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, that doesn't work. I was about to make a buzz, your girlfriend, woof. But I was going to make, I was going to replace woof with like uh, a sea creature onomatopoeia. Guess what? There are none. <laughs> like, what noise does a goldfish make? Not, not very many noises. Goldfish is your example of a sea creature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beware the mighty goldfish. I watched um, 25 to 33 minutes of... I watched somewhere between 25 and 33 minutes of Sharknado 5 last night. Okay. Man, I hated that film with (laughs) a passion. Why why were you watching Sharknado 5? James, I'm not sure. (laughs) I was at someone's house. They were flicking through. They went, oh, this will be good at how bad it is. It wasn't good at how bad it is. It was just bad. My understanding of the Sharknado franchise is that the so bad it's good, like the first one was legitimately just like a bad film that people liked for its like campness. Mm. They immediately leaned into that, and I think mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of them. But my understanding is that like maybe Sharknado Two is also funny, and that's okay. it. Yeah, because like, uh, the the vibe I was getting from Sharknado Five is it feels like they wrote it to be this is so bad it's good. But it doesn't have anywhere near enough fun or coherence to be good. Yeah. It was just tedious. Yeah. All right, so that's another classic film review on uh, classic, Constant Key of Springfield. Classic content corner. Yep, one of those uh, well-known and loved films, Sharknado 5. Yeah. Um, do, you th- do you think it's interesting that in 1984, Krusty can read? I did find that interesting. Krusty can read in this episode. We see later on. Well, sorry, earlier on, but later chronologically, we find, we know that Krusty can't read, and he finds it very shameful. Mm. In 1994, he could read. So, what happened in the middle there? Yeah, did he undergo something in which he unlearned reading? Huh? Is this like is this one of those things where you just like unlearn? I wonder if, if you don't do it for long enough. I wonder if he ate a different batch of the experimental Colossus biscuits. Ooh. One Some that, sort of like a mind control that removes elements. One that unlearned English. Huh. Me unlearn English? That's biscuit possible. That's biscuit possible? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know what that You was. said that with such authority. <laughs> I leaned forward. You look like a fucking Steve Coogan character. <laughs> Just very confident. <laughs> anyway, uh, I had some other things to say here. 1983, yeah. Abe Simpson. <clears throat> 1983, Abe Simpson. We get a look at Abe Simpson in this episode, and he's looking quite a bit younger than he does in most episodes of The Simpsons. Sure. In the previous episode, we just found out that around this time, he was in love with a 120-year-old woman, woman, and he looked the same as he does in the current timeline. Mm. In the photo we see of him from that period. Mm. So once again, the time distortion from... uh, what was that episode called? It was New Kid on the Block. New Kid on the Block. Yeah, the time distortion for that episode is really fucking things up. Yeah. So much so that even the past is warping and changing, and it's, it's yeah. a real mess. It is a real mess. You're right. Thank you. I'm glad that you pointed that out to me. Well, that's what I got here. Bart is very advanced for a two-year-old in this episode. This is another one of these things where... You know, we discussed in that Eat My Shorts recently the idea that these are meant to be simpletons, but Bart is obviously a genius, in much fact, like in Bart the Genius. Mem's name, Bart, Rabbi has memo. Right. Yeah. Apparently they're quite precocious. Preco- yes. He's quite precocious. He's a very precocious uh, scamp little boy. Little, little, little scampy, scamp. precocious little scamp. boy. Yeah, little scampy boy. Uh, scampy, of yeah. course, being a form of seafood, as we discussed last week. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, Bart's very advanced. He knows how to take a wallet out of someone's pocket and flush it. Yes, yes, he does. He uh, he understands the jokes he sees on TV. Mm. He uh, he is. Uh, we see that early in the episode when we learn that his first word was "icarumba." Before he was speaking, he was capable of walking and opening doors and knowing what sex was. Yeah, he was able to recognize uh, the act of sexual yeah. congress. Yeah, sexual congress, and be shocked by it. Yes, which I, I feel like there's probably some Freudian analysis of that that I could do if I. Was a little better on Freud. I think the sugar, I can talk about the Laconian mirror stage if you want. I think the sugar has started to um, mess with my stress levels <laughs> because in the middle of you talking about a uh, little body boy being precocious enough to know how to walk and open doors, hmm. I started freaking out at the image of because uh, over your shoulder behind you. <laughs> Don't say that. No, 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 no. There's nothing there, but... <laughs> something stressing you out over my shoulder. In, in the direction I'm looking, I can see a staircase. So you, you walk into my front door of my house, and then there's a staircase that comes up to the level that you and I are on. Mm. Um, I can just imagine someone walking up that staircase and turning to face me, and it's causing me genuine stress. <laughs> Please don't say that when the staircase is behind. <laughs> I know. Don't worry. If if that happens, you'll be able to tell because you'll see my eyes hit the, my eyebrows hit the ceiling. I feel like that might just happen anyway, though. If you're on the sugar rush, <laughs> I feel like there are so many facial expressions you can make that will indicate terror. <laughs> I'm genuinely freaking out at that idea. Why did we have so much sugar? We had so much, James. Why did you raise the possibility of a home invader? <laughs> Such okay. an unlikely... I'm going to need to eat some protein at some point. I hope that'll help bring me back down the sugar rush. Um, Homer is very good at uh, bed making, as it turns out. That clown bed that he makes, for all the terror of the imagery, seems like a very well-constructed bed. Oh, yeah, I mean... um. It's, if you compare, let's do another timeline comparison. C- 
compare Homer's clown bed that mm. he has carpentried together. Mm. Incorrect verb, but sure. that he has used his carpentry skills to put together. Compare that to the spice rack that yeah. we that we see him do. Eight You're years right. Later. All these people's skills are slowly these, flitting away. Over all these time. skills degenerate. Yeah. All these skills degenerate. Um, it, Krusty can't read. Homer can't carpent. Um, <laughs> Hibbert uh, uh, can no longer grow dreadlocks. I mean, there's just there's a lot going on. Yeah. Of people of people's skills being eroded. The other thing is that Homer builds this bed to get a uh, little birdie boy out of the crib. I don't understand how building a bed is an easier solution than buying a bed, or just like buy another crib. Oh, buy another crib. Yeah, because or build a crib. Building a crib would be easier than building that fucking elaborate bed that he built. It was a very elaborate bed. Yeah, just have two cribs. Two cribs. But obviously, likes the crib. Mm. He's the baby, as he says. Mm. Just like that baby in dinosaurs, you know, I'm the baby. Gotta love me. I'm trying to think about MTV cribs and if I have any interesting anecdotes <laughs> that come out of that. But I don't think I do. I feel like even if you had seen the show, which I assume you haven't. <laughs> I've seen one episode. I've seen the Travis Barker episode. Okay, who's Travis Barker? Uh, Travis Barker. Is he a dog? He's the drummer from Blink. <laughs> He's the drummer from Blink Blade 2 and also a dog. Um, uh, the, the Travis Barker episode of MTV Cribs is great because Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas is just hanging around at Travis Barker's house. Okay. And then they're like, oh, well, since Taboo's here, do you want to like do some, some musical things? And so Travis starts playing a drum beat and Taboo starts rapping at the camera. <laughs> But it's basically, he's just saying, Black Eyed Peas will overcome, Blink-182 will overcome, Black Eyed Peas will overcome, Taboo and Travis Barker will overcome. I'm like, what are you going to overcome? <laughs> Overcoming is a transitive verb. It needs an object attached to it. That's true. I'm just I'm imagining that like, you watch that episode and you see like the origin of one of their songs. Like he's, uh, I don't know, he's got like some big like paper mache things he's building for a show. He's like, just watch out for those. Those are my humps. He's like, huh, that gives me an idea. <laughs> Uh, the origin of a song um, Bart gets a rubella inoculation He sure does Rubella Very nice name For a very horrible disease <laughs> Rubella is a nice rubella word is a real, I mean If it wasn't named after a horrible disease Rubella would be a lovely name for a girl Rubella would be a good name for like a cherry cola A cherry cola Yeah A savage garden chicka cherry cola <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> Tremendous. Um, so what? You'd go in. You'd go into a bar and say, "One rubella, please." Pint of rubella, please. Well, you wouldn't order it at a pint. Schooner of rubella, please. <laughs> you'd ask for a bottle of rubella. Oh, a bottle. It comes in. It need to be a glass bottle, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they'd slide it across the counter. You'd snap off that uh, the bottle top and go. Ch- yeah. Make that little, you know, almost like a sizzling noise. Yeah, yeah. You'd down it down, and then the ad would cut, and you'd spit it out, because you're allergic. To- but you needed you needed the work. What the fuck character is this? <laughs> allergic to soft drink, soft drink ad guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck. allergic to soft drink, soft drink ad guy. I think that, that's He a- has a name, Nick. That's a Black Eyed Peas song, isn't it? <laughs> I think it might be. Allergic to soft drink, soft drink ad guy. Doesn't add, but he's allergic, so he spits it out. Black Eyed Peas, you just list things. That's all you do for their songs. Um, uh, accurate. Uh, so, anyway, uh, I also found it interesting, just on a, a really boring note, that he's getting, that Bart's getting a little body boy. He's the getting a, a, a rubella inoculation, uh, which is just that. But, of course, you and I, 
who grew up in late 90s, early 2000s uh, Australia, our rubella inoculation was mixed in with inoculations for the measles and the mumps in what is known as the MMR vaccine, the uh, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. Ah, the MMR. Yes, measles, mumps, rubella. A good vaccine, as far as I'm concerned. It's a pretty good vaccine. Have I ever clarified in this podcast that I am pro-vaccination? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like it has come up. I actually think you have. <laughs> I am also pro-vaccination. Yeah, vaccinate your children. Today, if possible. And you know what? Even if you don't have children of your own, just find someone yeah. else's kids. <laughs> find some and vaccinate them. Vaccinate them. <laughs> Uh, I mean, probably you shouldn't do that. Oh, that's, uh, that's actually probably assault. But, but you know, but yeah. you know, consider it. <laughs> it's considerate for <laughs> your honour. It's a considerate form of assault. Now, in watching this episode, Rod and Todd must be a little older than I thought. Because mm. I guess Rod must be about... He must be... He's a bit older than Bart, probably. Sure. And then Todd is about Bart's age, I guess. Right. And this made me think that when Lisa eventually babysits the Flanders kids in like oh, season eight, that's weird. She's a little bit younger than both of them. I would have thought she was around uh, Todd's age, but a little bit younger than both of them, but with far more street smarts. Yes, because they're both very sheltered little boys. Whereas Lisa has grown up on the streets. Yes. Yeah, where she's learned how to hustle. Yeah, learn yeah. learn how to hustle. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. learned how to rig dice. Is what I'm saying. What in like a like a a. Oh, what's the game called? Craps. No. Is th- it Craps? Three Card Monty. Well, that's not a dice game. Fuck. That's a card game. You're right. Three Dice Monty. <laughs> Three Dice Monty actually lived on my street once. <laughs> <laughs> um, he used to be four Dice Monty, but one of them rolled down a storm drain. Oh, that's not what you want. No, it was is that tragic. Is that because he was trying to play um, uh, marbles, but with dice? With die? <laughs> Trying to play marbles, but with dice. Yeah, you know where you have like the the big one. I think it's called the tomcat, the big one. Yeah, and then you got the cat side. Yeah, you try to flick. Man, marbles was a dumb game. How long has it been since I've played with marbles? I feel like marbles. Okay, I feel like there's a certain number of things that you interact with a lot during your childhood, Mm. or at least during an early nineties childhood in Australia. There are things that I interact with a lot that I have not gone back to in many, many years. Well, why would you go back to marbles? Here, here, here are my top five of things that I interacted with a lot as a child and never gone back to. Marbles. Yes. Cellophane. Yes. Split pins. Yep. Sequins. Yep. Platypuses. <laughs> Platypuses. <laughs> I've told you before, right, that it like I was sitting on the couch one day when I was like 26 and I just went, wait a minute, platypus. <laughs> I'd forgotten completely about the existence of a platypus. I googled a picture of a platypus and looked at it and went, bullshit, not real. And then I was like, no way, I've got to learn again that the platypus is real. Why were yo-yos not on this list? Yo-yos were an integral part of childhood. The biscuits? No. The device. Yo-yo biscuits are such an eternal disappointment. Why do people have them? I like the yo-yo, but it's mostly a cooking implement. Mostly you buy it and you use it to make a jelly slice. It's the base. A jelly slice. Oh, yeah. l- 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 like a cheesecakey base. Yeah, you got that, yeah. then you got like the condensed milk, you got the jelly on top. Yeah. Jelly slice. Yeah. Um, uh, I was about to make another Black Eyed Peas reference, but I don't think you're ready for this jelly is not Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> it is... It's bootylicious. Bootylicious. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Beyonce? It is Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah, she's good. Now, uh, what else do I have to say about this episode... Of The Simpsons. Dunno. 
There's a scene where Homer is talking to little baby Lisa. Little baby Lisa. He says that he's already um, established her college fund at Lincoln Savings and Loan. Now, this is a very outdated reference in that I have no idea what the fuck he was talking about. Uh, Can I guess that the joke there is that Lincoln Savings and Loan crashed and everyone lost their money? Yes, in 1989, they were at the heart of the Keating 5 scandal. Didn't do enough research to find out exactly what that is, but I can tell you that 21,000 people lost their life savings, most of them elderly. Good. (laughs) Comedy fodder! (laughs) (sighs) Well, I mean, we can take solace in the fact that a lot of those people are dead now. Solace. <laughs> yes. Sure. Uh, and then the ending of this episode is very sweet. Yardley Smith is really good. But I do think Elizabeth Taylor's performance is not very good. Oh, uh, is that Maggie's voice? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, where she That's says her, her, her first word, yeah. which, if I'm remembering right, is uh, daddy. Which now, of course... It's very different connotations. Mm. Mm. I'm glad you pointed that out because I thought her first word was "patty." <laughs> um, wouldn't that have been great? Wouldn't that have been a fucking? <laughs> so, you, you, oh, you, you know what that would have been? Here's a phrase we haven't used for a while. That would have been a super long play. Super long play. Okay. Should that um, have been on the list of bits that we shouldn't... Uh, sorry, of, of bits that we should not not abandon? Ah, uh, we don't have a list of things we shouldn't abandon. We only have this list of things we should abandon where we have abandoned some of the abandonments. Thanks, Donnie, don't. <laughs> Season 4, episode 11, Homer's Triple Bypass. Homer's Triple Bypass. Now, let's get something straight. That's a baseball term, right? The Triple Bypass? Yeah. Or yeah. is it a highway term? Well, life is a highway, and I want to ride it all night long. So, in some ways, all of this is a highway reference. Life is a roller coaster, baby. Let's just ride it. How does that? Your sound love right? is like a roller coaster, baby, baby. I want to ride. Life is a roller coaster. Just want to ride it. Ride it. Jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the uh, window, to the wall, to the sweat. Trips down, etc. Gross. So this episode starts with an interstitial of cops in Springfield. Yep. Where we see a lovely little montage of the police doing police things over the tune of Bad Cops, Bad Cops. Yep. Um, there's a scene in this episode of Cops in Springfield that I don't understand. Cops in the Key of Springfield. <laughs> there's, a key in the, there's a scene in this episode of Cops in the Key of Springfield that I don't understand. Okay. Um, they... Break down Reverend Lovejoy's door, and he says, "No, you don't want me. You want my neighbour." Mm. And it's seven forty-two Evergreen Terrace, which yes. is the Simpsons' address. Indeed, it is. Now let's <sighs> really dig into this, Nick, because what have we established in the previous episode of Pods in the Key of Springfield? That the geography of Springfield is liquid. That time and space are breaking apart. This means that 742 Evergreen Terrace is able to exist in two spaces at once. And the great irony is we see this on the television, and then we cut to Homer watching the television. Mm. Where is Homer? 742 Evergreen Evergreen Terrace. Terrace. And not only is the the location and address capable of existing in two places at once in a super imposition, Mm. but you've also got the, the mirrored of... Good Christian neighbor and ratbag because it's Flanders and Lovejoy. Yes, uh, and then their neighbor is Homer and Snake Jailbird. Yes, um, 
Very strange. Why didn't they pick literally any other address? Well, it's, unless it's, it has to be intentional on some level because there's no way no. you just make up the address 742 Evergreen Terrace twice. Are we meant to assume that Cops in Springfield is a fictionalized drama series containing real actors? Like the, the, the cops in Cops in Springfield are the real Springfield police force but it is a fictionalized drama and then this... Uh, 742 Evergreen Terrace, Lovejoy and Snake Jailbird is actually meant to echo an incident in which Homer was a cattle rustler and Ned did have his door broken down by the police. Mm. But they couldn't get the rights to use Homer and Ned because they didn't sign the waivers, so they had to recreate it with Lovejoy and Snake Jailbird for some reason. (laughs) I mean, that's an interesting theory, but I really think it's just a case of reality becoming unmoored. Unmoored. Yes, I feel like... <laughs> is that because now that it's Lovejoy's house and not the Flanders house, there is no moored Flanders? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but I just, I feel like the realities of spatiality and, you know, time, time are both slipping. I love going to a restaurant and asking for the chef's spatiality. <laughs> That was such a nervous giggle. You looked around the room as if to say, is anyone walking up those stairs? Uh, yeah, as well as the chef's speciality today. They look in the kitchen and there's a guy like walking a few centimetres above the floor, just <laughs> phasing in and out. <laughs> just nothing. It's like, oh, it's kind of undefined tonight, I'm afraid. <laughs> nothing but flat circle donuts on the menu. <laughs> oh, it's decidedly non-Euclidean. <laughs> Non-Euclidean. He's a non-Euclidean <laughs> chef. Oh, man, that's weird. All these forks are those ones out of the M.C. Escher drawing of a fork. (laughs) I can't eat off this. (laughs) Uh, Waiter, every time I put my spoon into my soup, more soup appears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you order the non-Euclidean soup. (laughs) Fuck, that's funny. Uh, Excuse me, waiter, every time I try to impart force on my liquid soup, it becomes a solid. You order the non-Newtonian soup. (laughs) Fucking hell. I think we're both looking for a third to tag out of that, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, oh, another realizing phone call. <laughs> Why did I grab another handful of lollies just then? <laughs> Alright, so. You're a fucking idiot. We're, we're picking back up after Wait. you just uh, received a phone call. Today's been a very heavy phone call day. Yeah. I'm also going to replenish my water supply. By my count, you've heard from uh, every member of your family so far today. Pretty much. <laughs> ah, so while Nick is refilling his water, I'm going to... But Jaikul. Yeah? You know who we haven't heard from today? Ah, uh, Motorbike Mike. Ah. Ooh. The coffee machine. The uh, sixth <laughs> character of Pods in the Key Springfield. <laughs> Give or take. My coffee machine. Early in this episode, uh, after Homer started to experience some heart difficulties, he's really in it there. Uh, there is a scene where Bart plays a little prank on his sister Lisa and says uh, there was a big train crash, you want to see the victims, mm-hmm. and opens his mouth up to show, you've got stuff in your mouth right now, don't open up. Wasn't he going to. <laughs> opens his mouth to show all the mashed up food. Now Lisa agrees to see the victims of this crash. Mm. 
You know, she's really going for it there. And she, she agrees to see them. When he opens his mouth and just shows a bunch of masticated food... Isn't masticated, that, very good. Yeah, isn't that... That's not as anywhere near as horrifying as showing her train crash victims. I agree. It's she, a weird... She, she got out of that really lightly, all things considered. Yeah, and then he, like, uh, he, you know, spits it into her food, which is a bit much, but still. That's a bit much. Yes. Um, but yeah, also, like, what did you think the outcome was going to be? He's not holding a newspaper or an encyclopedia or a, a watercolour that he's done. Like... How did she think the victims of the train crash were going to be shown to her? Yeah, how is he going to communicate the the destruction of these bodies to her? Lisa's being a bit a bit of a dullard here, I think. You're a dull boy, Billy. She's being dim-witted, which is not like Lisa. She's no. a very clever little girl. Very clever little girl. Uh, so Homer wants to eat a bunch of bacon. 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 And Marge wants to give him oatmeal instead. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want any oatmeal, so he claims there's a bug in it and he tips it all out. Mm-hmm. I would like to defend oatmeal. In my opinion, oatmeal fucks. I like oatmeal. Oh, How do you feel about oatmeal? You're a porridgeman. I am. I had porridge for lunch yesterday. Uh, porridge for lunch is an interesting choice. Yeah. I mean, it was like 2pm as well. It was like a late wow. porridge lunch. It was almost a lupper or a liner. Mm, no, it was lunch. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I really like porridge. Yeah. I like it. Would you say that it fucks? Um... No, that's, that's fair. That's your terminology. I don't <laughs> want to encroach upon it. Yeah, okay, that's fair. We'll keep uh, we'll keep things fucking just to my my. Uh... It's just you and Sonic the Hedgehog, baby, <laughs> baby. You say baby too? Okay. <laughs> You're not gonna claim baby. <laughs> Sorry, that's um very directly ripping off the person that I'm already stealing the word baby from, John Gabrus. If you are listening. Uh, I don't think you'd be a good fit for the podcast, but I do like your stuff. John, John, John Gabrus? John Gabrus. Gabrus? I've, n- I've n- never heard of that name. You wouldn't like him. Are they a director? No. Co- comedian? Yeah, he's a comedy man. Comedy man? Yeah. Right. Uh, he's a comedy man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got Poison Donut written here, and I don't remember why. I have Poison Donut as well, but I remember why. It's because... Uh, when old mate Burnsy is watching Homer scarf down donuts just before he tries to fire him, sure. he talks about him getting ever closer to the poison donut. I don't think that's why I've got this written down. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> so I was going to ask you. Sure. Uh, he says, there is a poison donut, right, Smithers? And Smithers says, uh, no, because our lawyers, I talked to our lawyers and they considered it murder. I'm Smithers. Uh, yes. You're a lawyer. I am. A lawyerman. I am. Yes. Uh, would that be considered murder in okay. your experience? For murder, you need two things. Yep. You need the actus reus, which is Latin for the act that does the thing. So you need some <laughs> some kind of physical implementation of uh, doing something to lead to someone's death. In this case, poisoning the donut, I suppose. Or poisoning the donut or obtaining a poison donut and hiding it amongst the other donuts. Mm. You also need the mens rea, which is the... Um, the, the mental state required. Yeah, I'm a men's rare activist, I understand. <laughs> uh, the, the, the intention to do the thing which leads to someone's death. So you, need mm. to, you need to think, I want this poison donut to kill this guy. Yeah. And then you need to put the poison donut in amongst the other donuts. If you did that, that would be murder. If you had a poison donut which you accidentally left on a bench and someone accidentally ate that donut and then they died, mm. manslaughter. Okay. Or possibly 
No, I probably just manslaughter. I mean, it's clear in this case that intention would have been like Burns would have intended the death. By but by, that is, I guess maybe that's difficult to prove depending on. Yeah, so it would depend on, um, you know, I, I guess if he had put the poison donut in the box of donuts, mm. um, you would need to find some evidence that showed that Burns either did it himself or got someone else to do it, and that would kind of... Yeah, if he orders an underling to do it, does that complicate the matter? Um, maybe. Hmm. Maybe, because then... I mean, how many many cases have come uh, in front of you that have involved poisoning someone through planting a donut within a power plant? Um, not not that many. How many a week would you say? Uh, or if I had to average it down to a week, I'd say zero. Zero. That's very yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm. Um, the interesting part about getting an underling to do it is that then, uh, in some respects, you don't have the actus reus because it's not you, the one that's doing the thing. But there are other charges of, um, you know, act- acting as a joint effort, basically, where you, where you get other uh, other actors involved, and yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, personally, I was just uh, very happy to see Mr. Burns back. I feel like we haven't had any Burnsy for a while. I feel, I feel like, like he's been of the, absent. A lot of the Burns screen time has been taken up by Captain McAllister. Yeah, he's really just hoeing right in on that Burns territory. Captain Kevin McAllister. Yeah, Kevin McAllister. Um, grand, yeah! grand animation in the Heart Attack. Yeah, that is a David Silverman classic. I feel like he's posted... A lot of the storyboards for this one, or like the sketches on Twitter. Sure, sketches the uh, brand of sneaker. Yeah, sure. So, and if you like, go through this bit frame by frame. There are so many just great frames in mm. Homer's heart attack. Homer's heart attack is good. It is a good heart attack. Just before the heart attack, we see him. Good heart attack. Yeah. Gotta get away, not coming back. Does anyone remember Faker? Yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, I don't think they had any other songs, but they had that one. They just had that one. Yeah, so we see him ramming the original birth home of Edgar Allan Poe in a very strange sequence. Firstly, because Homer is ramming the car in front of him very aggressively. In yes. uh, one of those moments that like, I feel like if I saw this episode for the first time today, I'd say, that's very strange. Mm. But because I guess... Uh, so much of this is just ingrained in us, you know, these things don't register as being as weird as they actually See, are sometimes. That, that's something I find very, very interesting when people compare new episodes to the old episodes, is that in, I think, new episodes, ha- the, the, the weird bullshit has a higher threshold to jump over mm. because we're cynical towards the new episodes. Yeah. But we're warm and fuzzy towards the old ones. And so a lot of the weird bullshit gets through as like, Mostly by nostalgia, to be honest. I mean, to be clear, the re- I think the reason we are much warmer towards these episodes is because they are much better in basically every way. There is still weird bullshit in them, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but the yeah the Molman being a driver of a low bed truck that has the birthplace of Edgar Allan Poe on it, maybe maybe there's a reference I'm not getting to. There it, is. It's to- the Telltale Heart, oh. the beating of the hideous heart. Right. Have you read The Telltale Heart? Does The Tell... So, uh, sorry, I was assuming... If you've the, seen The Simpsons diorama, it's basically the same story. I have. I was assuming that the, the reference that I was missing was an Edgar Allan Poe-um that involves a house being driven up a hill. 
<laughs> is that not the case? No. Right. No, the Telltale Heart is like somebody has killed somebody and they've hidden them under the floorboards. Yes, it is. And the police come to visit and like, yes, oh, where's is. this guy? Where are the police? And he's like, oh, fuck, I okay. can hear the heartbeat. I'm losing my mind. The reason I don't... Oh. It is set inside, to be fair, a house that is being taken up a hill by a car. <laughs> uh, okay. Because no, I was going to say that Homer doesn't get investigated about Mole Man's death. <laughs> there is an underlying heart thumping in that scene, but it turns out to be Homer's heart, not Mole Man's heart. Like, I just... It's... Uh, I'm not sure that the reference actually works. It's... I mean, I think it, it works, but it's extremely laboured. <laughs> That he is oh, sure. banging like why this car is being driven around in the first place is baffling. Mm. Like, uh, I don't know, what is the actual like historical value of the birthplace of Edgar Allan Poe? Was he born inside that house? I mean, he's a big author, but it's not like the Anne Frank house, you know? People aren't going to come and visit the Poe house. Oh, but aren't there lots of plaques of like, you know... This is the birthplace of Shakespeare. This is the birthplace of Dickens. This is the birthplace. Yeah, of... sure, but they're not going to put the car in a truck and cut it around the country. Well, I well, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, that's a really good point yeah. because why are they moving that house? It is strange. Um, because I I assumed I think we've taken different tactics about why they're moving it. I assumed they were moving it to relocate it from one place to another. But then guess what? That's no longer the birthplace. Yeah. Um, uh, you seem to have taken the approach that they're taking it on a tour. Well, I, I, I don't know if they're touring it necessarily. They're moving it for some mysterious reason. It's it's very uh, circuitous. Surely the the one of the attractions of a birthplace monument is that it contextualizes person among a, a person amongst the landscape, mm. and you can look around and go, oh, well, when they were growing up and starting to form poems this street looked very fucking different but it's the same street yeah but if they then move that house to i don't know pensacola trying to think of a, a small american town that i don't actually know anything about yeah sure i believe pensacola is a real place i think so um um uh if they uh, if they uh, move the house if, you're if not gonna get house... a proper sense of how their life actually yeah. was yeah yeah sorry the, yeah. the the sugar took over my brain halfway well, the through the thing is like and i forgot how sentences could <laughs> yeah, be yeah that's why you said uh pepsi cola is the name of the town but <laughs> pepsi cola but uh i feel like you know if you move the house can and i then... say something about american towns have i told you that i find it extraordinarily odd that there's a town in texas called corpus christi <laughs> Which is Latin for body of Christ. I always confuse Corpus Christian. Uh, what's the name of that fat guy? Something Christy. There's like a Christy in America. He's like a politician or something. Oh. Is that... Like Chris Christy. Oh, Chris Christy. I think so. I how think does, that's a person. How does Chris Christy go with Chris Kringle? <laughs> Tune into our episode of, of Underground Kringle to find out. I was going to make a very silly joke, Sneaky and I don't tingle. know if we've kind of drifted too far from the Poe House for me to make it, but I'm going to throw it in here anyway. The Poe House. I feel like the problem with moving the Poe House or any house really is that if Justin Bieber were to visit this house and like look around this new environment, he would not be able to accurately say whether or not Edgar Allan Poe would have been a believer or not. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that was the thing I was going yeah. to say. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And frankly, that was a pretty good joke. <laughs> Solid. Solid. <laughs> Um, Wasn't speak- that a wild fucking week when that happened? Oh, and that? then like one of her ancestors came in and said, "You know, he's actually probably right. Like she probably would have been pretty into his music." <laughs> oh. 
Are you getting another phone call? I'm back again. This has In been the space of two recordings. Four four phone calls, which is five. I feel like your entire family already called you and now you're receiving calls from my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, I mean, my, they've started doing laps. Um, I don't know, it's pretty bizarre. Considering I've never received a phone call during any of the previous 37 recordings of Pods in the Key of Springfield, plus all the Eat My Shorts recordings, which don't form part of the standard canon of numbers... <laughs> Um, anyway, whatever. Not to mention the Love the Beast special or the uh, Holiday special. The Holiday special. The 22 short films about nope. or tangentially related. Flims, I get it. I'm just... Yeah. Flims. <laughs> okay. Uh, cartoons, and I feel like 90s TV in general maybe, made me feel like defibrillators were going to be a bigger part of life than they have been. Yeah, this that's point. an interesting one. I mean, I suppose they're only a bigger part of life if you're in a very niche area, which is someone who's... Having heart attacks. Failing hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, generally yeah. speaking, you know, in your average day-to-day life of uh, waking up, uh, writing a few articles, going to the shop, eating a maxi bon, and then going to bed... Not much scope for defibrillators. What a distressingly accurate description of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've been following you for some time. I was I was that cat before. I'm really getting into this cat Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, I was where I control a real life cat. I was wondering why the cat had such human features. <laughs> why it was such a clumsy. And why when I rang your doorbell, I heard so much scrambling inside. <laughs> Oh, I rang that doorbell and it sounded an awful lot like this cat behind me said, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so Homer has a heart attack and needs to get $40,000 for an operation and then sure. that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some good stuff in this. This is a good episode. I enjoyed this episode. But there is a, there's a question that I have. A question? When he goes to the the place where he wants to get health insurance and there's the whole back and forth about him pretending... The Merry Widow life insurance place. Yeah, there's a... I mean, there's an ongoing thing about, like, uh, insurance agencies being defrauded in The Simpsons, but in this one, he says to Homer, now, where it says heart attacks, you've crossed out three and written none. Mm. In this episode, at that point, we've only seen him have two heart attacks. Oh, that's interesting. A moment later, in the office, he has a third one. Huh. Has time broken so severely that Homer knows about things slightly before they happen? Or has the sense that a thing that hasn't happened yet has already happened and doesn't even fully process it? Wow. So you're saying he's a bit like Phoebe from Charmed? In that he has premonitions? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like Phoebe from Charmed. Yeah. Smelly cat, smelly cat, what are they feeding you? (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, time is, uh... An, an in- omelette. Time is an omelette, yes. Yeah. It's an omelette that's flipped over on itself, <laughs> and it was too high in cholesterol and led to a heart attack. So I'm going to put something out here now, because this is a bit of a hot take that I have, a hot theory. The American healthcare system, not very good. Not very good, I agree. It seems, uh, bad to me. Yeah, yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, especially, you know... I mean, Medicare is okay in Australia. Yeah. It does just fine. Sometimes you get long waiting lists, but it's pretty good. Seems like maybe universal health care is 
I'm going to say a basic human right. I'm going to say it's a really good thing. Yeah. And people should get behind it. Yes. Um, to, uh, I don't know, like 40% American listenership. That's, uh, that's our advice. Uh, embrace healthcare is good. Embrace healthcare, it's good. Universal healthcare, I should say. Um, I like uh, Princess Left Ventricle in Homer's little uh, Punch and Judy show about the heart bypass. Yeah, Punch and Jow Day. I enjoy that because uh, Homer has an... Was that, un- s- was that the sneakiest <laughs> of sneaky peeks? Yeah, I just brushed right past Yeah, <laughs> We're like the dreamer. Dreams, then leaves inside a dream. Uh, I enjoy that because Homer has an unusually good understanding of how heart surgery works, I think. Yeah, and it's not shown that he learned that he had to undergo this procedure and then went through and studied up on the surgery. He just somehow has an innately deep knowledge of the surgery itself. Yeah, good job, Homer. He learned some things. Homer learned some things. Maybe he'll learn to listen to a podcast. We he... learned some things about Krusty when Krusty went to visit Homer in the hospital. Yes. Did you pick up the subtext that Krusty has killed a pedestrian? These ah, uh, the yeah, glug glug. Vroom vroom. Yep. And then he silently mimes a pedestrian walking with his fingers, hits yeah. them and says thud thud. Yeah, he definitely he has he's killed someone. He's killed someone. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. The uh the note I have from that scene is this is the scene where we find out that Krusty is not wearing makeup. Yes. Where he says, uh, you know, Homer's like, oh, you seem like you're okay, I'm Homer. And he says, well, I'm Krusty, and you know what? This ain't makeup. Yeah. And I feel like this is like a throwaway gag, but it has completely informed everyone's understanding of that character. Yes. It is maybe the most important Krusty line, I think, in how we look at Krusty, how we understand Krusty as a character and as a figure. But it's just like a throwaway gag. Yeah, that is in this episode. One. It's like when Hans Mormon says he's like 38 in uh, Duffless yeah. in a few episodes' time. It's, yeah. you know, just intended as a gag. But this one really stuck, I think. And it becomes almost a defining feature of the... Yeah. Of, yeah. Because we only see him out of makeup like once. Mm. When he becomes Rory B. Bellows. He's got a lot of corroborating evidence right over here. By the throttle! Mm. Yeah. Rory B. Bellows. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. What... Well, in that in the Rory B. Billows episode, does that mean that then he's put on makeup to match his face to the rest of his skin? Yeah, because he gets in the ocean and it all washes off. Oh, is that the case? I don't remember. Yeah, right. and he has to. He's got. He's wearing like a fake nose, and he pulls it off, and his red nose is underneath. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Curious. It's so he's basically the Joker from Batman. Mm, from because, the from the Batman films. Yeah, and the the comics. Oh, the comics. That uh, the films were based... Because, you know, in, like, uh, the more recent Batman films, or in now, the Dark Knight one, at least, he was just wearing makeup. But, you know, it, quite often the Joker's origin is they fell into a vat of chemicals and came out all fucked up. Now, the only comics that I know... Calvin and Hobbes? No, I was going to say Fred Bassett. So oh. are you telling me that the Batman movies are based on Fred Bassett? Yes. Huh. Yeah. I guess I see the link. That's why most of the movies are just like a series of interstitials about a a dog mildly pleasing people. <laughs> a, a, a subpar entertaining, mildly pleasing dog. You know, I came to appreciate Fred Bassett once I started looking into Marmaduke. Because if you've ever read Marmaduke, Marmaduke is 
the most turgid nonsense. Fred Bassett is at least kind of cute. That's interesting. Marmaduke is just complete garbage. I've never looked at any Marmaduke. And frankly, I resent that awful dog. You know and what the I crimes find... that he has committed. You know something I find really um, bizarre? What do you find bizarre? I find it really bizarre that there are people who are my age in 2018. There's more to this sentence. That's mm. not the shocking part. Who do... Your age being roughly 32, according to your last episode. <laughs> roughly. But it astonishes me that there are people around my age in this year who do not know Garfield without Garfield. I, mm. I thought that was a big enough thing that everyone knew about it. But mm. I've told a surprisingly large number of people, oh, yeah, it's like Garfield without Garfield. What? And then you show them, and it, people still enjoy it. It still stacks up. I, I was never that big on Garfield without Garfield. I preferred the one where they just took out his speech bubbles and it was just John still talking to his cat, but the cat never responded. Oh. Which makes more sense, because they're meant to be thought bubbles, you know? Yeah, I guess so. That's interesting. Because that just became a comic about a lonely man who still had a cat. Yeah. See, whereas Garfield without Garfield is more like lonely man descends into existential terror every third panel. Yeah, which is a little too close to home for me. <laughs> oh. uh, there's another bad uh, transgender joke in this one. It's bad, again. Uh, yeah, not great. They fucked it. Uh, yeah, not much more to say, just... I don't know if they're doing better these days. I don't. I haven't watched the show in a while. Yeah, I, I assume wa- they're probably not, based on everything I hear about all the fuck ups they have now. But yeah, that's a really good point. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what it's currently like, and I guess by, uh, I suppose what we want to try to do when we raise those things, because I feel like we're going to continue to raise things like that, mm. but there's not always uh, necessarily a new talking point to bounce off of it, and so I'm, yeah. just, I'm just trying to flag that. We're going to raise these things because we don't like them and we want people to know that we don't like them. Uh, but not in a kind of patting ourselves on the back way, but just yeah. to point out that, hey, this thing has its flaws yeah. and we want to be able to recognise that for some people, mm. that was probably a really harmful joke. Yeah, and for we, sure. And we get a lot of enjoyment out of this series, but we want to flag that it's probably hurt some people along the way. Yeah. And all we're doing is saying, yeah. we're on your side. And, you know, it is very much a product of its time, and it's not like they're going to go back and edit and change these jokes now. Like, the joke is just the joke. It's in the episode. It's yeah. always going to be in the episode. And we're not saying it's now a bad show because there are jokes in there that are bad, but those jokes are bad. Those jokes are bad. And it is unfortunate that they are there. Yeah. I, I hope that didn't... I hope our little speeches there didn't come across as us, as us trying to be self-congratulatory, but I guess raising that joke and then immediately bouncing out of it, I just mm. thought we should flag that... Well, there's no... I mean... All the points that we <laughs> yeah. made 45 minutes ago still apply. Yeah. It's just that there's no point reiterating them every time. Yeah. And there's but really no keep... reason for us to be self-congratulatory because we really are doing the bare minimum by just addressing the fact that these yeah. things are in there. Yeah, exactly. By, yeah. by trying to actively avoid being a fuckwit, we are doing the bare minimum. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. Um, the red things connected to my wristwatch. I feel like that joke played a lot better when I was like a 14, 15 year old kid and thought it was the funniest thing. Whereas now I go, oh, that's a joke. I feel like we don't sing that song that much these days about what is connected to what I'm not sure bone if, wise. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd sang it that many times. I'm not sure if it was part of my lexicon. I feel like I'm mainly aware of it through jokes about it. And sure. maybe, maybe I sang it like as a small child. It'd be like, you know, the... Uh, the butt bones connect the two, uh, not the bone, and then, you know, you just go through bones, and you say, like, dem bones, dem bones, I have some bones, 
my body's full of bones. There's a skeleton that lives within me and it speaks to me at night. You know, you know how the song goes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like the second verse or something? Because there are some lyrics in there that I wasn't too familiar with. Well, which ones? The butt bone? Yeah, the butt bone. Right. It's the bone in your butt. Little buddy boy. <laughs> little buddy bone. <laughs> little, little buddy bone. What the uh, hell happened to my bone? I would watch the fuck out of people who look like things. Oh, would you? Seems like a fun show. Would you? I mean, I say I'd watch the fuck out of it. Probably like this one joke on this one episode of The Simpsons is the exact limit. Sure. Of how far that joke goes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, really, any talk show you could reimagine as people who look like things if you imagine that the things they look like are people. Yeah. Mm. Sure. That person looks like a person. Let's talk to them and get their perspective. Do you say that bird looks like a person? That person looks like a person is what I aimed for. Ah. But I'm on such a sugar high. Did I tell you about the cat I saw earlier? Cat it looks great. It looked very much like a person. Uh, yeah. It was me. Yeah. Um, I am. <laughs> You're crashing. Meltzio. Meltzio. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the names of any of Meow the. Meow <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying to think Ezio of. Meow I'm there trying to think of any of the other. Assassin's Creed um, uh, protagonists. Me Altair. Oh, Altair, yeah. Yeah. And it's a me, Meowrio. Yeah. Yeah, his uncle. Yeah. Who was the guy that was like, who was the guy from Assassin's Creed 3, that game I didn't like? Brother. No, Assassin's Creed 3. Oh. The one that was just called Assassin's Creed 3. Oh. And there was Connor, was that that was one of them. Connor was the American one, I think. Like the American Revolution one? Or is that Brotherhood? No, Brotherhood's still Ezio. Oh, that's uh, still Ezio. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We Ezio got... was Brotherhood We've got a while and uh, Ezio. Revelations. And as two. Well as two. Yeah. As well as two. Uh, yeah, I think Connor was the next one. He was Black Flag, I reckon. No, that oh. was four. That, that was Assassin's Creed 4. Fuck. <laughs> Who was that then? Uh, in four, that was. Uh, I'm gonna look. I it up. feel like his name was like Haywood or something. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. All right, fine. Look it up. I'm gonna look at what else I have in my notes here. No, hang on. Don't don't do that because then that'll be the thing where you start another sentence and I tag back in with <laughs> now I've got this. Can we just pause for a moment and I'll I'll figure this out and then we can do it all in one thing. Okay. Okay. You say as you start looking for the train timetable to know when the <laughs> hell you can get away from this evil sugar crashing bastard. It just makes it more difficult to edit. <laughs> it doesn't. It makes it simpler. Because <laughs> then everything's in a linear fashion. <laughs> what an aggressive response. <laughs> List of Assassin's Creed characters. Oh, Desmond. The modern day guy. Ah, Desmond. Desmond is such a perfect drip shit of a name. <coughs> is Desmond it? Altair. Okay. See, the only Desmond I've ever known uh, used to run a Chinese restaurant near where I lived as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I would go there with my family all the time. And Desmond told my parents at some point that because I was so well behaved every time I was there... Mm. He decided to send his kid to the same school I went to. Oh. Because... Uh, he said, well, your son has obviously learned discipline and, you know, how to behave. Mm. So I'm going to send him to that school. So I liked Desmond. So Assassin's Creed 3 was Raton Hunker Ton, alias Connor. Yep. That's and good. then uh, Hathen Kenway. That was the one I was looking for. Ah, uh, Hathen. Yeah. Sweet. 
Uh, Avaline from Assassin's Creed Avaline. 3 Liberation. Liberation. That was a pretty good game. I feel like this this list is not... Edward James Kenway. Kenway. Uh, um, Adewale, he was good. Oh, Adewale, yeah. yeah. He was like your, your, your right-hand man, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was also the star of uh, Freedom Cry. Freedom Cry. Shay Patrick Cormack. Arno Victor, Victor Dorian. Uh, let's forget about Assassin's Creed Unity. All right, I will. What's your favorite Assassin's Creed game? Probably two, to be honest. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. I avoided saying me too, because oh, so I didn't did want it. to repeat the word two. I see you did. Yeah. Uh, me also. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed also is my favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a good one. Um, it was like a, like a what if alternate history. Uh, yeah, what That's if... what that game would be if it existed. I would agree. Mm. Um, no, I think I played two the most comprehensively. Yeah. yeah. Good game. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I forget why oh, we were talking about cats. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it all comes back to cats. You know the scene where Homer is... The uh, musical. Yeah. You know the scene where Homer is going under and he sees... <laughs> he, sees he sees Dr. Nick he, Riviera say, what the hell is that? He sees Evanescence. Yes, sure. I'm going under. Have I told my your wisdom tooth story. surgery story on this podcast? Please tell your wisdom tooth surgery story. I don't think I've heard it. Okay, it's, I don't think I've heard it in real life, let alone in the podcast. It's very brief, but um, it was this episode always reminds me of it because I went in there to get my wisdom. I got two of my wisdom teeth out, and they were about to administer the anesthetic, and they sort of put the needle in, and I said, uh. How's it, how's it going to feel like um, when I go under? And the anesthesiologist, who, you know, like, they're a vital part of it. If they mm. get it wrong, like, you will die. They, they turned to me and they said, I don't actually know. I've never done this before. And then the dental assistant turned to me and said, and I've just returned after four years of not working. <laughs> I'm like, the needle is in at this point. <laughs> I'm like, this is the worst timing to tell me all of this. Like, years years later, I now kind of think, like, were they fucking with me? Like, were they very intentionally doing that I'd, to me? I'd say that that's the only way they get any enjoyment out of their job. Because I, like, I'm, I have this, and now I'm, like, falling unconscious. Like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> that's so I good. I wake up, like, an hour later, and I'm like, well, I'm still alive, I guess. That's good. <laughs> Uh, wasn't murdered by these inexperienced uh, surgeons. Huh. Wisdom tooth surgery is fun. And then I... That's great. I was filled... I woke up with this sense of extreme confidence. I guess huh. this is the effect the drug had on me. But they were like, okay, here are like the painkillers you need. Uh, <laughs> you, make just, sh- you just hocked them out the window. <laughs> make, these. Yeah, make sure you're not going to be home alone. You know, all this stuff. And I'm just like, look, I feel fine. Everything's going to be fine. I feel great. I've come out of this on the other side stronger than ever. You don't need to worry about me at all. So, I don't know, like three hours later, I was home alone and just in agony, unable to move all the medication in another room, like didn't have the strength to go and get it. Fuck. I was reading a tweet the other day by uh, the comic artist Branson Reese, okay. where he tweeted about a similar experience where he woke up and went door to door telling other patients how much they were going to enjoy the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> and how well it had gone. <laughs> wow, what a bold move. Yeah, because he was still on his like painkiller yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that a great deal. He's a door-to-door surgery salesman. I've got uh, one last point to make on this episode. How about you? Uh, you none. seem to have drawn a bunch of arcane symbols on your page. I just started signing my name heaps. 
the, the oh, sugars yeah. the sugars doing weird things to me. Yeah, they're looking. I mean, that top one kind of looks like an Illuminati scribble, uh, scribble, but I'm trying to do a Dan Brown book. Okay, good. I'll buy it. I might not read it, but I'll buy it. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. The, uh, this episode, I feel like it needs to repeatedly return to and point out the fact that most of Nick Riviera's patients either die or are disfigured or there's some sort of malpractice or like things go horribly. Yeah, they're really trying to ramp up the yeah. um, the, the risk element. Yeah, because obviously Homer needs to survive, but I feel like they also are trying to point out don't go to like the back door like a hundred and thirty dollar surgeon. Mm. <laughs> they will probably kill you. Mm. I, I don't know if that was like a responsibility they felt like they had or if it was oh, just more fun for the character to that's be interesting. I mean I'd always interpreted it as being more fun, but you're saying there's some kind of uh, paternalistic advice giving element to if the surgery costs one hundred and twenty nine ninety five, mm. it might be a bit of a risk. Yeah, although that does seem very at odds with the rest of the show at this point, I suppose. Yeah, but you know, I mean, they didn't call him Doctor Risk Riviera, did they? They didn't call him Risk Riviera. They could have done that. Risk, Ri- Risk Riviera sounds like. Like a Nintendo 64, like, Indiana Jones-style adventure game. Oh, I would have played that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Risk Riviera and the Great Ocean Adventure, or not yeah. Ocean Adventure, but maybe like <coughs> a, a river adventure, I suppose. Yeah. Like Heart of Darkness. Risk Riviera and the River Rendezvous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a fucking great game. <laughs> and it's just you whipping skeletons. <laughs> Skeletons, which um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they live inside our bodies and sometimes they sing to you at night. Are you singing the Bones song again? I mean, the Bones sing their songs to me. At night. Each of them sings a different song. And to be honest with you, some of them, some of them are a little terrifying and I don't know what I'm meant to do with them. I don't know about this ancient knowledge that they're imparting on me. I feel like am I meant to pull the bones from my body? Let them live their lives free. Anyway, this has been Pods in the Key of Springfield. I didn't know where you were going with that or if I had to be involved. Yeah, that's why I pulled the parachute. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. You ripcorded your way out of that one. Yeah, you were too busy practicing your signature. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, Risk Riviera's Ripcord River Rendezvous. Yeah. It's a parachuting slash kayaking game. Yeah, we'll be releasing it for the uh, Switch and Steam in early 2019. Yeah, for the Switch and Steam. Yeah. Which is how I like to um, uh, 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 cook things. I don't yeah. know. I just like the idea of Switch and Steam being one phrase. Yeah, Switch and Steam is actually just uh, part of the Industrial Revolution, I think. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so... As always, we've been Pods in the Key of Springfield. You can contact us on social networks and email us Pods in the Key of Springfield at gmail.com. You can contact us through the movie, The Social Network. Yeah, great movie. Get in contact with Aaron Sorkin. He'll point you in our direction. Yeah, he'll teach you how to walk and talk. I go into a, I nearly go into a fight about that movie once. Have I told you about that? Uh, like a proper fist fight? Like a proper uh, barstool swinging? It's hard to say. Bottle was, crashing fist fight? I was, I'll tell this story very quickly, but I was at a New Year's Eve party. And uh, there was a guy there who looked a lot like Jesse Eisenberg, the star of The Social Network. And I sure. I just referred to him very casually as Jesse Eisenberg. And he said, I don't know who that guy is. And I said, oh, don't worry. He's the, he's the star of The Social Network. It's a great movie. It's good. Don't worry. I was very, very drunk, by the way. I say sure. this. And some other guy near him turns to me and says, it's not a great movie. You're a fucking dickhead. It's a shit movie. You're a fucking idiot. And he just really laid into me. That guy's gone in hard. Off my face drunk. I just turned to him and said, look, 
I respect that your opinion is different from mine, and I still hope we can be really good friends. <laughs> and he kept laying into me, and I just kept saying, look, man, that's cool, I understand. We feel differently. I still want to be friends with you. And eventually he just said, yeah, okay, I guess we could be friends, that's fine. And I just wandered off drunkenly, and the next morning woke up and thought, well, fuck that guy. <laughs> You're... Um, your innate reaction to de-escalate is so amazing when it's in full flight. Yeah. Like, man, what a response. Yeah. Someone's brandishing a sword at your face and you're just like, <laughs> pen pals though? Let's yeah. be pen pals. Yeah. Do people still have pen pals? Probably not. Does anyone write letters anymore? Why don't we talk anymore? Point to the list. Point to the list. <laughs> um, all right, pause in the case for Look us up in the places. Um, Wizard was. You'll find us in the in the uh, lolly slash sweet aisle of your slash candy aisle of your local supermarket. The candy dandy, if you will. The candy dandy, if you will. Today we have been the candy dandies, <laughs> and I have been stressed that someone will walk up my stairs and look at me. <laughs> well, that was a good <laughs> sharp intake of breath. Yeah, I'm not sure. If, is there a single word to describe that? In a, a gasp. It, it, you mean <laughs> gasp? Fuck! Fuck! In Springfield. I haven't done my my tag outline yet. Gasp yet. Gasp stands for getting air inside this person. Um, And now you can do your... Wizzle wazzle. You're a dull boy, Billy. In Springfield. Fucking hell. Why couldn't I think of the word gasp? <laughs> the closest I could get was sharp intake of breath. That was the shortest phrase I could come up with. Fuck. Yeah, short sort of gasping breath. <laughs> I'm just going to lie down on the table and, and have a horrifying sleep. feel myself starting to crash off the enormous amount of lollies that we ate between yeah i got like those mouth tingles where you like you feel a little hyperactive a little worked up and then you also feel like the the impending crash for a moment there i was confused because you know there's the 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 lollies called fruit tingles (laughs) and we were eating the lolly those those the ones that are shaped like mouths and teeth like teeth and i was like hang on a A, i didn't buy any fruit tingles where'd you get them from why didn't you give it in me you fuck i've been sneaking tingles you've been (laughs) sneaking Well, all right, welcome back to Sneak and Tingles. <laughs> A subverted podcast where we talk about lollies and lolly related products. But we have to be very sneaky with how we eat them because yeah. we're recording a podcast, yeah. Yeah, uh, Sneaky Tingles, a subdivision of our other podcast, Surreptitious Pringles. <laughs> I'm going to pour myself a water. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we need a cleansing water.